Um, well, I want to take a moment of personal privilege and let you know that um, two very special people to me are here today, and that's my dad right over here, Gene Bowers, and my best friend, Janet Collins. So y'all say hey. Give them a Noonan first welcome. Um, he has, he has been wanting to come for a long time, and finally we got it worked out for him to be able to come and worship with us here today. He's been um, watching what we do here at Noonan First and helping to share some ideas at um, the church where I um, experienced part of my call to ministry at First Baptist in Rome. So uh, y'all are playing a part in the life of another church you didn't even know you were doing. So, um, so thank you for that. So um, thank you for letting me indulge in that and share him with y'all today. So um, our scripture today comes to us from the 12th chapter of Luke, um, verse, starting with verse 13. So I'm um, going to read it to you now. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produceth plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God's word um, is often full of, of parables and stories that we are left to interpret and to understand. Um, this, is, this is one that is a reminder that it's nice to have all these things in our life. But if your soul were required this very moment, what good would they be? We are in the midst of a stewardship campaign, just beginning it today, and I know that isn't always a comfortable sermon to come and hear. It's not always a comfortable sermon to come and preach. So um, just, uh, we, we all have our life, we all have our resources, and we all feel like we know just exactly what to do with those. Um, but we have guidance from God's Word about how we are to use each, for each is a gift, and we are given it for a purpose. There's an old term, noblesse oblige, and it means essentially that to whom much is given, much is expected. And we are given talents, we are given gifts, spiritual gifts, we are given resources to care for our families, to care for others, to um, take care of all of our needs in this world, and also to take them and use them for the glory of God. Often we find we don't use those talents or gifts, and when we do, we lose them. 
There's a reason that they tell Alzheimer's patients and different ones to keep their brains active by puzzles and different things as we start to lose our brain activity if we don't use it we lose it with our physical activity if you stop going to the gym what happens is it harder to go back is it easier to go back it's harder it's a whole lot harder to go back I commend those of you who get in there and stick with it um, singing language I could go on there are so many things that if we don't take opportunity to celebrate and to sharpen that saw each and every day this can be a family relationship then we begin to lose it they tell us that houses that are lived in fare better than houses that stand empty cars that are driven are better than cars that sit in a garage those type of things so those words from Luke 12 that to whom much is given much is required rings true we aren't given gifts to squander them. We are given gifts so that they may be used, so that they may be celebrated. Grace is a similar kind of gift. If you have been given the gift of mercy and grace and salvation, and I pray that you know the gift of salvation, that you now are stewards of the greatest gift you will ever be given and it's a gift that doesn't diminish by you giving it away to someone else. Throughout the Old Testament, God tells his people that they must be gracious and kind and charitable to foreigners, widows, orphans, and the poor. And that every time he makes these rules, he explains the reason why people are called to bear this burden. Because they experienced the same oppression and were graciously liberated from it. God reminded them, I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Jesus says to us time and time again, I am Jesus, God's son who rescued you from sin. And the ancient traditions stand. When someone saves your life, you become their servant. And so we are servants to the one and true God, God's Son. I'm grateful that this has been a gift that has been shared with me my whole life. Others aren't so fortunate to hear it, but it has shaped my life in every single way. As 1 Corinthians 6 and 7 tell us, we have been bought with a price. And we have accountability for the gifts that we are given. We live in a country that often confuses what the dream of life should be. Our founding fathers formed this country on the dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you haven't heard that in your kids in here, if you haven't heard that in class yet, you will time and time again, and we will be reminded of that. We hear it in the news when there are political discussions that we are a country that is free, that we have freedoms to, to discover that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But we also have to consider at what cost that is to others and, and approach that gift sensibly. 
Martin Luther King had a dream that he spoke of strongly. Many of you know the I Have a Dream speech. He stood proudly and spoke of words when skin color didn't matter, it wasn't tangible. It wasn't a visual sight that created division. It was simply, we are different hues, just like the different hues of the flowers of the earth and the fields surrounding us, the colors in the trees. We are all beautiful in God's sight, and we all are worthy and valued as his children. But often we see the American dream as the dream to have more and more and more. And Benjamin Franklin is largely at fault for this. <laughs> um, he, he, he talked about having a penny saved as a penny earned, but he also spoke of how we approach different things. It was, uh, it's promoted in, in work ethics, in work hard, gain as much as you can, control your destiny by what you do and what you earn. Many of us have read the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal, in its most literal sense, means one who wastes money. I read that in the, the, the book that we're using for our stewardship campaign, which is Enough by Adam Hamilton, and it took a different turn in that story for me. Here's this prodigal son who is so eager to get out and have his own, he thinks he knows everything to go out and take on the world, and if he can just have his wealth, he can go into the world, and it will be his. But he hasn't prepared himself and his heart. And the story finds him wanting to eat the slop that was in the pig's trough. Now, who knows what the slop in the pig's trough looks like? Raise your hand if you do. Who are our farm folks in here? Oh, good, good. Yeah, my brothers had pigs for their 4-H project, and we would often help to create the slop. That was some of the smelliest, nastiest stuff you would ever see. I cannot imagine being so desperate that I would, that would be the dinner that I would crave. I can't imagine but to have a heart that isn't prepared and a heart that isn't solidly founded in an understanding of grace and all that our Heavenly Father gives us might put us in just that position. We love retail therapy. Anybody in here love retail therapy? I'll just raise my hand. <laughs> I've, I've started to sharpen this to retail therapy at Goodwill. My dollar goes a lot further, and I get some really cool stuff there. So I encourage you to go, go try that. But um, we live in a world in where not influenza, but affluenza is a disease that we, we each know at some point. That desire to have more and know more, and, well, they have it. I want it. Adam Hamilton talks about um, he and his staff were on a retreat, and it was around the time that the iPhone 10 was coming out. And um, they had planned for this retreat, and he was so excited because it was going to come out the last day of the retreat, and he thought, I can just go by and pick one up, and then his phone broke. And it was about two weeks beforehand, and he had to have his phone. So he called the, his company, and he got a new phone sent, and then he was like, wait a minute, I have a brand new phone. 
I can afford this iPhone 10, but now nah, I won't get it. Well, it ate at him. They walked by the line for the iPhones. And, um, and I'm not criticizing anybody who's got an iPhone 10. This is his story. I'm just sharing it. But he walked by that line, and he saw it, and he was like, oh, man. And he, he, stopped, he said, I'm just, just going to go in and ask a question. So he went in, and he asked a question. He said, so, so how late are you here? And they said, well, we're here till midnight, and as long as we have phones left, we'll still be selling them. He's like, okay, okay. So one of the church members on his staff noticed, and he came back after, they came back after dinner, and his staff member, he says, you really want that phone, don't you, Adam? And he said, yeah, I do. And he says, well, let's go back and get it for you. And he's like, it's going to eat at you if you don't. Let's just go back and get it for you. So they go back. It's about 5 till midnight, and they have two phones left. And so they're standing there, and he's continuing to try to internalize and make this decision. And um, he's like, okay, okay, let's do it. And he hands over his credit card. And this is somebody who has no issues with credit limits, no issues with money, no issues with any of that, and his card declined. And he stopped and he looked at his new phone and the clerk said, I'll be happy to run it again. He says, no, it's okay. He says, I'm good. He says, we're, we're going to go. So he left and he said, okay. That was a God moment, he felt like, for him because there was, he'd never had his credit card declined before. He'd never, and, and he says, I need to accept that God has given me what I need. And perhaps one day I'll need an iPhone 10 or an iPhone 15 or whatever it is when it comes out but I need to understand that there are greater things guiding my finances. In America, we struggle every day with concepts like everything I have earned has been through my hard work. But as Christians, we recognize that everything we have is a blessing from the hand of God. As Americans, we look and we say that our success is due to our goodness, and we pat ourselves on the back. But if we see someone else fail, we may judge them and critique them as to why they failed. As Americans, we often look and we say, if I give unconditional grace, if I were to give my money to this homeless person on the street corner who's needing food, you know, they're not, they're going to take advantage of me. They're not going to they're not going to use that money right. They're just going to go to the liquor store. As Christians, we have to give unconditional grace because we understand that we are sinners who stood and stand in need of grace and that the only way we can know redemption is through the love and grace of Christ. We struggle so much in our society with wanting to find a way to do more and know more. We have a, a, a tremendous um, amount of financial freedom at our fingertips through our credit. I was reading some of the statistics, things like that when a young person graduates from college, their average student loan is $37,000. Now that's, you add interest in, and they can't afford to pay that back when they get their first job, even if it's got a really good salary, because they're probably also getting married or starting a house or doing some things like that. Credit cards with $9,000 balances that have a 2% minimum payment could take decades to pay off 
and by then you might pay two or three times that amount. We are really good at impulse buying and seeing it thinking, I can handle this, and then something comes up. There's a part in us that is human. I'm not being critical of anybody and their material wants and needs. Don't take me wrong. Wealth is great and it has its place. But when our hearts are not right, and when our hearts are not founded in God's word and God's principles, it is so easy for our sinful nature to step in and for envy and greed and gluttony to step in and to take a place in our financial decisions. Mark 8, 36 challenges us, though. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? We are called to give God glory. There is a saying, a theological saying, sola deo glorium, which is all glory, honor, and worthiness be to God alone. We give God glory for creating us with our gifts, our gifts that allow us to go and to earn, whether it's through teaching, whether it's through administrative work or IT work or graphics or accounting or medicine, whatever it is, we are given resources with which to earn a living and to make a living and to make a life and to better the lives of others. But we all need to remember that it is God who has given us those abilities and need to be, we, many of us can relate to the prodigal son, but if we formulate our lives in God's word and form a balance there, and we form a life plan and then start measuring those decisions by a life plan, then we can begin to flourish even more so, even greater. Barbara Glantz is a, is a motivational speaker, and she spoke to a group of employees with, uh, I see some of you know her. Um, she spoke to a group of employees in a grocery store chain, and there was a young man with Down syndrome, and his name was Johnny, and he heard her. And Johnny decided that he wanted to make people's lives better, so he printed out inspirational statements, cut them into strips, and started dropping them in grocery bags as people would get their groceries. And the manager of the store started noting that whenever Johnny was working that no one would get in any other lane to go through, even though there were cashiers on the other cash registers, even though the self-help lanes were open, they all wanted Johnny to bag their groceries. And he's like, no, 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 come over here. And they're like, nope, Johnny's over here. Verses on a piece of paper, changing lives, all because he listened. It's amazing how much purpose can change not only your life, but others. As we go through this stewardship campaign, we can remember couple of things. There are some planning principles that are given here in this stewardship book, and that's, these are basics, but these are things that as Christians that we can embrace with an understanding of scripture too, which is 
put God first. Pay your tithe and your offering first. Create a budget and track your expenses. Simplify your lifestyle and establish an emergency fund. Don't use the debt factor unless you have to. And practice long-term savings and investment practices. When we look to God, not only to define what we do with our day-to-day life, but what we do with the resources that he's given us, great things can happen and will happen. In 1848, um, the Shakers had a hymn written by Elder Joseph Brackett, and you would think 1848 is 2019. What has this guy got to say to us that we could learn today? But I think the words of this song teach us a great deal, and that is, you'll you'll recognize the words let me just read them tis the gift to be simple tis the gift to be free tis the gift to come down where we ought to be and when we find ourselves in the place just right twill be in the valley of love and delight when true simplicity is gained to bow and bend we shan't be ashamed to turn turn will be our delight Till by turning, turning, we come round right. Whether it's a financial resource or a time resource or a talent resource, God has given each of us gifts. Stewardship isn't just about dollars. Stewardship is about a matter of the heart. And when we turn from that thing that has pulled us to the point where we're ready to take so much less than God wants for us, and we turn and we come back. He is there waiting for us, waiting with grace, ready to show us that he and his word are enough. He and his plan for our lives are enough. And as we consider what we can give and how we can do that, then We make great strides. We are called as disciples to live every moment purposefully with the plan that God has for us. And along the way, we find great joy. And so we enter into our time of stewardship. It's fitting that as we talk about life plans and life purpose, that we remember the lives of those who made a difference here. Um... If you see Mickey Robinson, tell her thank you. She did the table for us this year. Um, I'm always reminded when we come to this table of God's purpose and God's plan that we would know love, that we would know forgiveness and mercy And to know that no matter where we are, no matter where we've gone, no matter what far country we've gone to or what resource we've squandered, he is there with open arms and he would give, God gave his son. So we would always know that. I can't imagine. The depths of that love are so great and so precious. I can't imagine living without the knowledge of that. And so I pray that each of us would spend our life ready to share that gift with others. 
Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to your table today. We come seeking your love and your grace, your presence. We come seeking all that you have to guide us and offer us through your word. We thank you for your son Jesus who broke bread with his disciples, letting them know that his body would be broken for us, that we would know forgiveness. Taking the cup and giving thanks to you and telling them that it was symbolic of his blood, blood of the new covenant, shed so that we would be cleansed of our sins, that they would be wiped away, that we would be forgiven, and that we would have open arms waiting for us. He set a table of grace and reminded them to remember that each time that they came. And so today, we ask that you would guide our life and our purpose and help us to remember that you love us in ways beyond our comprehension, that you love us in ways that we can't ever begin to truly know, but with each and every growth of our heart, every turn of our heart, we know you more. We give you thanks, Lord, and ask that you'll pour your spirit out on us and on these elements this day. Open hearts as they come to the table. And as we leave in this world, to go out into this world, may we give the gift of grace. 